Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton-Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network. The Best Ever You Show is here to help you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. With this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. And now, here is your host, Elizabeth. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. We love that you are here joining us. And uh, even if you're joining us on free replay, we love that. And we hope you share the show in your social media. We are on Twitter at Best Ever You. And on Facebook, our group has got about 4,000 people in it now. And our website is besteveryou.com. So uh, we just love all of the grassroots movement. We have no PR firm. We, we, we are husband-funded even. <laughs> we joke around about that for years now. Um, just having a blast uh, as the company grows and grows and grows. It started, this radio show started, um, gosh, I don't know how many years ago now, and we've done over 400 and some shows. And we started out in, with Forbes Riley and didn't know if anybody was listening, and everybody has, and we're coming up on about 3 million downloads now. So we love it, and we love you, and we love our guests. And speaking of guests, we have a really awesome guest with us today. She'll be with us. I think we're going to go for an hour. Uh, we have Lauren Polly. She's the author of The Other Side of Bipolar. She shares her, she's going to share her own journey um, of how she helps others find the life they desire without limitations. She's a catalyst for people who are living their life on autopilot. We all know what that's like. Um, she helps others shift from cutting edge to thriving through dynamic healing, self-empowerment, and life-changing tools in her cutting edge classes and one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is awesome because that means she's accessible and you can actually actually really get some help from her beyond uh, just listening to her or reading her book, which are also awesome, but it just means she's really actually there to help you one-on-one, -on -one, which is always a really neat personal touch. So she also hosts a weekly radio show called Beyond Speech, Limitless Communication, and she's got all these cool certifications, which I'm going to have her tell, tell us about. She's a certified access consciousness facilitator, a certified talk to the entities facilitator, and an ASHA certified medical speech language pathologist and on top of it, a yoga instructor, instructor which um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm 47 and I look at yoga pictures and I'm like, you know, I'm an old gymnast and my body does not do that anymore. And I keep hoping it will and everything. So we're going to hear more about yoga too today. Um, but boy, she's got thousands of people around the world that she engages to help you know, be your best. That's what she's here for today. But to, to boldly, as she puts it, boldly be themselves, um, with themselves, their body, and the world to create the life they desire. So she is on Twitter also at L Polly Life Coach, and she's also on Facebook. And then her book, again, is called The Other Side of Bipolar, which it has reached number one on Amazon in a whole bunch of categories, so we're really proud of that. But anyway, hi, Lauren. How are you today? How does it Yep, I got you. See, I told you we might have that. Go ahead. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> okay. I can Can you hear now. me the whole time? Yeah. We're live. <laughs> no, no, yeah, there's just a little bit of a beeping in the background. It's always interesting with technology these days, how it can cooperate or uncooperate with us. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, so I have, a whole, I have a whole bunch of certifications behind my name. I think after a while, I am such an explorer and an adventurer. And to really be able to not only dive into consciousness, which is what my business is really based off of, 
for my own inner wealth, inner kind of purpose and inner ease and peace, but to also extend that out for everybody in the world. Like you say, I do a lot of one-on-one, very intimate, deep dives with my coaching and then teaching different workshops and then, of course, my products with my books. I love having that deeper dive, that really personal touch where even just one interaction between two people who are really showing up, really, really open and vulnerable with each other actually creates massive amount of change. And that's what I really love to play with with my coaching and then also my products and even just interacting with people day to day. Um, And when you had read my bio, that's what really pops out is like the actual boldness that we can be to be open not barriered and not lost on autopilot so that we're having these authentic interactions and really stepping into a space of creating with each other. And that is definitely hard to be bold when you have something like bipolar. It's almost like one minute you're bold and one minute you're not. Can you, can exactly. you sort of explain um, your, you know, what, what happened to you and how, how you got to be, you know, on the radio today, for example, you know, cause, because that might not be easy. Yeah, I was diagnosed with bipolar when I was 14, and the diagnosis came after I had committed or tried to commit suicide. My parents had found a letter that I had written. Uh, that was kind of a culmination of months and months and months of struggles, and not so much struggles, I would say, in my outward life. You know, I had a very happy family. I was doing well at school. Um, I really excelled at ballet. I've always been a dancer. I was very active in a dance company. It was much more my inner world that was getting very dark, very confusing, and almost paralyzing. Uh, There was just this awareness that I always had of people around me. I've always been very sensitive, very intuitive, very empathetic. And with that comes this deeper perception of other people, their angst, their stresses, and their pains. And you can imagine having all of that, and I know a lot of you listening probably do, having all of that in a high school and a middle school environment where there is so much teenage interestingness going on. I really took what was going on in the environment, all that angst that everyone was going through and internalized it so much so that I kind of thought it was me. I was getting very lost in all of these heavy emotions I was aware of Um, so much so that I really, really started struggling to the point where I didn't really see any other option than to start contemplating taking my own life. Um, And then from there, you know, my parents had found the letter. We went to multiple, multiple medical doctors. I ended up with a bipolar label after one of the psychiatrists found out that it ran in my family. Um, And being grouped into that category, after that, it was just years of heavy medications, lots and lots of side effects, and really this kind of loss of my inner hopes, dreams, and self-worth. I had limited myself to such a degree just to match the label. And I think that's kind of a big conversation to have if you've been diagnosed. Also, if you've just been labeled as a certain kind of person in your life, we only really start to identify with that so much so that our exploration of ourselves and especially more life-affirming aspects of ourselves get either really quiet or almost shut out completely. Uh, So I struggled with that for years and for years. And then, um, like I talk about in my book, it was – this amazing catalyst of change where I had met a holistic psychiatrist who started to really work with me 
on developing those life-affirming aspects. And his treatment was more of a holistic wellness approach and self-development approach. And that in of itself really catapulted not only my care, but also the trajectory of my life from that point forward. Um, and then since then, I've been on my own explorative journey over the last 16 years of working with different healing modalities, alternative modalities, Eastern medicine, Western medicine, basically anything I could get my hands on that just created a sense of peace in myself and the ability for me to not be my label, but to actually be who I am and who I would like to be in the world. And to me, that is a path of bold. And that wasn't an overnight thing. It was something I really had to work on and develop as I went forward. But it's also something that's accessible for all of us. And that's where I think real change occurs is when we actually get present and start to be bold in our interactions with ourselves and move forward in a way where we are able to actually be whole beings and not just one label that we've been given. I could imagine this message um, resonating with teenagers. Do yes. you speak to teenagers? I, I just want to touch on this for a second because we have an enormous teenage audience mm-hmm. um, and a whole section on the website just for teens. Um, we have Best Ever You Teen Community on Facebook and everything. Um, and so can, can we just send a message out there right now about if you are feeling suicidal or depressed or anything <sighs> like that, what people should do just so we oh, absolutely. make sure and, and, and touch on that because that is people live in shame and fear yeah. and hiding and stigma and, and this is one of that. the major groups no this is one of the major groups that I love to reach out to and even adults who still are carrying stuff in their body in their being from those teenage years teenage years are super intense there is hormonal shifts going on People are trying to find themselves. There's a lot of gossip and back talk. And above all, there's really this need to fit in or to find where you fit in. And that's where I kind of went down the rabbit hole because I really didn't find a place where I felt like I fit in. I was always very unique and different. And when I was younger, that really played to my strengths with my, um, you know, I would choreograph plays and write poetry. I was just very explored. It, it made me a, a fun friend to be around. And during my teenage years, it's kind of almost turned against me where I stood out too much or from my perspective. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would love to get across to all the teenage listeners or again those adults who are carrying stuff from their teenage years you are very very aware you're very aware you're very sensitive and you may be picking up on a lot of the noise that's around you that may not even be yours to begin with it's like if you can imagine being in like this big stew or soup of just teenage yuck and interestingness, before you know it, you start to internalize it. You take it on and you kind of believe it's you. I would definitely say be aware that these dark thoughts, feeling shameful, feeling maybe suicidal, feeling like you don't belong, you don't fit in, the world may be better without you, you're not rare in that. I think those thoughts, going through people's heads are a lot more common, but because there's so much shame in expressing it or you're afraid you're going to say it and people are going to freak out, so you try to hide it, um, it's actually a lot more common. So I would invite you to kind of start opening up to you're not that different. You know, again, you may be aware, start to be aware of who you're surrounding yourself with. If you have a lot of friends who have a lot of 
problems going on or who have a mean tone to them, you may be putting yourself less than that and taking that on. That's going to add a lot of inner turmoil for you. And um, really being, again, aware of like where you're there's just this interesting thing that we do where we have a bad thought go through our head or we have an emotional upset or we're a little depressed or we have some anxiety going through or we feel like we hate ourselves. And because that is such a shameful thing, we don't want to talk about it and we don't want to admit it, but that need to hide or to hold it inside actually starts to eat away at you. Who could you talk to about this? Who wouldn't judge you? who would give you kind of the freedom just to express it and get it off your chest. And in that, you may start to have a lot of relief, period. Yeah. yeah. I think it, regardless of the age, too, um, you know, yeah. I think a lot of people get, uh, I know I see a tweet here where somebody says they feel immobilized um, oh, yeah. and, and just completely, you know, paralyzed from it. Um, how, how do you help yourself in that situation? Uh, when you know when you feel that way, how do you overcome that? That that probably you know that's a that's a question. I don't know. We could probably do ten shows on that of how you <laughs> heal yourself or overcome that because you know if you feel that way, pulling yourself up and out of that and healthy is hard. I would think. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting thing. Is like, how do you find that inner strength to pull yourself up by the bootstrap, so to speak? Um, one of the tools I'm going to teach you right now, it's from a system called Access Consciousness, and that's I'm a certified facilitator in. And it's just a system that has really practical life tools, but they're energetic based. So they actually hit on a deeper level than like cognitive or thought therapy. So a lot of my business is using these tools just because they go deeper and they, for some reason, seem to work a lot faster and are more effective, I found. Um, this tool is called Who Does It Belong To? And it's allowing you to start to notice when you're aware, you're like a big satellite dish walking around, picking up on all this information. And it sounds odd, but at the same time, if you actually look at the universe, we're all interconnected. If something happens in the world, you may feel a ripple of it. So if you're in a certain environment and you're like that satellite dish picking up on all this information from people around you, their thoughts, their emotions, their stress, their anxiety, their depression, their heaviness, you kind of start to not only pick up on that stuff and kind of bring it in in an information way, you may stick yourself with it by thinking it's actually yours or that it's you and you identify with it. Instead of just seeing it for what it is, which is information about the environment around you. So I invite you to start playing with this whenever you have thoughts, feelings, emotions coming through your space that feel like you're immobilized, like you hate yourself, like there's a depression or an anxiety coming on. Actually ask the question, who does this belong to? Is this mine? Or is this someone else's? What this will do, it'll start to create some space and alleviate that pressure of it sitting so heavy in your world and you identifying with it so much so that you become paralyzed or immobilized or like this kind of heavy psychic sponge that's really soaked up everything from the environment and hold on to it. Uh, this is a beautiful tool that just allows you to know, 
one, I am aware. I am like a satellite dish walking around picking up on information. And number two, it's not all mine. I don't have to carry it. I don't have to even do anything with it. It's just information around me. That's one of the tricks that I've learned, one of the major tools that's not only lightened my load and the space around me, but actually opened up enough room for me to find myself amongst all the noise that I've always picked up on around other people. I think this is huge at any stage of the game, but especially like in a teenage environment where you're in high school and there's a lot of that stuff going on. Same thing with a work environment, a social outing, even a family. Imagine all the dynamics you're picking up on constantly with that, right? Um, so really being able to start getting the space there, I think, is a huge um, catalyst to start to find you and from there being able to lighten your load so that pressure isn't so much. I had um... – just to share a little bit. I had post. I think I, I think sharing is very important. By the way, I'm a big yes, sharer. Of, yes. You know, because it heals. We heal each other through sharing and our stories and our problems. And you know, you're not completely alone out there. And mm-hmm. like all those things. And by the way, I love your website, which is laurenpolly.com. And this made me think about sharing this. But you know, I had a touch of uh, postpartum depression with mm-hmm. uh, one of my pregnancies. I have, I have four boys. Um, and they're older now, they're 21, 19, about to be 17, and about to be 15. And that, I mean, that feeling makes me want to make sure everybody in the world hears this show because Mm. bipolar is very different than that. I just had a touch of postpartum depression, and it was, you know, my mom kept saying, you know, if you ever feel this way, um, you know, the doctors don't really talk about it and people don't really talk about it and, t- you know, take this back years and years ago and stuff like that where we didn't have all this cool stuff available to us. It was shame time. Um, yeah. And I was like, I feel this way. And, you know, there was there were a lot of things that went on to help me pull up from that, um, including things like diet, exercise, mm-hmm. mindset, um, all these things that just were not firing on all cylinders at the time. Um, Do you ever have anybody sort of describe that and um, do you help people with that too? Absolutely. And that's where we go into more of the holistic approach. So you're not just treating the problem. And so many people, they come to someone like me for one-to-one coaching or to a class, a workshop, or to a therapist to try to like fix the one thing. And yes, you can work that way. What I found when you do do that, it's more laborious and you kind of get stuck in your problems. Being able to identify what's actually going on and then start to look at you as an entire being is really where the most change occurs. And that's for me personally, that's when things started to really shift. I had six years of psychiatrists and psychologists who only spoke about my problems. Guess what I created in my life? more of the problems. That was the only thing that was there and being spoken to. So where did my reality go just to that? It wasn't until I met this holistic psychiatrist who really inspired me and my work that I do today of developing all aspects of you so that more life-affirming qualities start to come through. And you actually start treating not just your problem, but your mind, your body, your spirit. 
the exercise, moving your body, tapping into your own body's knowledge, that's a huge way that I work. And quite frankly, I think it's not looked at enough, not only in mental health, but also just in the world where end up being talking heads or these really active minds walking around. We don't include our entire body and what gifts that can be. Um, can you being explain that a little bit, that. what you mean exactly right there? Just take that a little deeper for somebody listening. Yeah. Um, because Absolutely. those are that might be like foreign language to people. <laughs> this is a very unique concept, and I think something that I'm very excited because it's starting to get out into the world more. Uh, but we actually carry past trauma, emotional upsets, thought patterns, cognitive patterns in the structure of our body. So our physical body is actually a massive partner in our life and has its own knowledge base, its own wisdom, and its own kind of reboot and self-healing ability if you're willing and able to tap into it. So you have to kind of look at what your body is. Your body is an organ into itself, and it's a sensate organ, which means that there are sensations. What's your body's way of talking to you and communicating through sensations? And so a lot of the work that I do is really looking at what is the body's, what is it trying to express with the pain, with the emotional upset, with the stiffness that you have, and being able to start engaging with your body as an actual partner in your life. I have found one of the most effective ways to combat stress, combat like chronic fatigue, the depression, the anxiety, all of the emotional ups and downs when you start finding ways to allow your body to release what it's carrying from the past and actually start to engage it in a way that it's included. And that includes diet, exercise, sleeping regularly, and also kind of like engaging with it in a way where you're respecting it and honoring it which I think most people don't, you know, every now and then you touch into your body if you have huge pain or you get very ill um, or there's like this bigger thing that the body's kind of screaming at you. But constantly it's actually giving you these beautiful whispers of, you know what, I don't really like where you are right now. A change in environment may be helpful. You know, if you're around people who are very stressed and you're getting more stressed and you're picking up on their stuff, how does your body feel during that time? Do you notice that you can't breathe as easy? Is there a heaviness in your chest? Do you notice more stiffness all over or a certain kind of pain? That's your body's way of giving you information about the environment and what you may be picking up on. So engaging with this is a very different perspective and very nuanced. This is a lot of the work that I do. There's more information on my website if you want to check it out. Uh, But it's a beautiful way to start opening the doors to including your body in your mental and emotional well-being so that you're, again, in that holistic and entirety of wellness, not just the one thing. Can Can you journey with me from you to teenage to now? Just a, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be every single detail or anything, but share some of the things that you have gone through, um, career, college, you know, ups, downs, um, their point of other points of giving up, you know, those types of things, so that people know, you know, your process. Yeah, and I would say, and this is a wonderful thing to get, and again, my book goes into this in great detail, 
of a lot of people talk about a mental, emotional well-being or healing, even from a physical ailment, of this kind of happy land that you get to where everything just <laughs> is like roses and sunshine. And that's not life. Life is actually very fluid and mobile. There are ups and there are downs. Um, my trajectory from teenage years to current present time hasn't been like this constant like upward slope where things were getting better and better and better and better. There were plateaus. There were dips. I would make some sort of progress, like I would get into college. I went away to college, and I did not succeed my first semester there. The new environment, the um, kind of like weird eating habits I was going through, the stuff I was picking up on from everyone else in the dorm was very, very difficult for me. Um, I didn't succeed there. I had to actually leave college at that time and go back home. So that was interesting because I was growing and growing and growing. I got away. I kind of hit a plateau and then dipped back down again. For me, that was almost like, oh, my goodness, like my, my chapter in the book on that is called Failure to Launch. <laughs> and it kind of felt like that, like, ah, everyone else succeeded here, and here I was. I couldn't handle it. I had to go back home. Um, but the beautiful thing, going back home and doing college from home for a semester or two before I went out again allowed me to kind of have a safety zone to start looking at things deeper. And from there, you know, I was at home for a couple of semesters, uh, very, very lonely time. I was doing a lot of intensive therapy and it kind of got to this point where I had outgrown the environment. And you all may notice this where you're making evolution in yourself and all of a sudden what you're surrounding yourself and what you're engaging with doesn't fit anymore. It's like a dress that is two sizes too small or pants that are too tight. <laughs> There's no more room to grow. And when I reached that point, and I wasn't ready for that when I was initially 18 and went away to college. After those two semesters, I was like, I am getting myself out of here. <laughs> there has to be something better than this. Literally, everything just feels too tight. Um, I actually got into the Disney um, college program down in Florida. I went, I went there on this beautiful semester experience, worked at Walt Disney World, again, was in a dormitory environment, was taking college classes. But at that point, I was ready for it. Um, and there I thrived. I actually thrived so much that I got into a better school down there and finished out my undergraduate degree. And from there, got into a top graduate school. Uh, and then, interestingly enough, graduate school brought on a whole new level of stress. I mean, anyone without mental, emotional problems was kind of going through that. It was very, very busy, very, very stressful, lots of pressure to succeed. There were a little bit of bumps up and down. Um, but throughout all of that, and what I would love the listeners to start looking at is where can you find your feet amongst that? You know, there is this journey where it's not just like everything's getting better, 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 better. There may be a plateau. There may be even a dip that you go through. Most people have the mentation that like, oh, if I'm actually becoming well or being happy or being conscious or being myself, I'm constantly going to be happy. That's actually very unrealistic and sets you up for a feeling of failure. If you do go through a dip, that's just the mobility of life. Okay, yeah. well, if I know that, what's required to find my feet here so I can pick myself up and move forward? With, um, with bipolar... Um, mm -hmm. once you are diagnosed bipolar, are you diagnosed bipolar for your entire life? 
Um, is yes. it like, you know how they say like alcoholism, for example, is a disease and you're, you always have it no matter what and, and you have mm-hmm. to, you know, fight having this. Is that the way this works? I don't know if that's a great comparison or not. I'm sorry if that's um, stupid or insensitive or um, no, no, it actually something like that. I, I, I'm trying to just say, you know, for, for somebody who's been diagnosed bipolar and they feel like, oh, great, you know, I've got this diagnosis of bipolar. This is who I am. This is who I'm always going to be. Does it have to be that way? Well, and this is the interesting thing. If you were looking through the traditional lens of it, absolutely. It is a lifelong thing. It's something that they classify as a chemical imbalance. So it's something off with your chemistry. So that means that, yes, it's lifelong. And also that you'll need chemicals via drugs to actually level yourself off and behave normally. Um, And with that, it's very interesting. Like when I was 14 and diagnosed, it was fascinating those first couple of psychiatry appointments where I was just getting label after label and future prediction after future prediction. And before I knew it, all of my hopes, my dreams, my beautiful, creative, sensitive nature got squashed under the weight of this is what your life is going to be because this is the label that you have. Um, I think anyone living from that perspective, that really defined thing where the label becomes you, you stop being you, you are the label, and your identity gets so enwrapped with that, it's very, very difficult to find the way out. Some people don't desire that. They enjoy the label because it's finally like someone has peeked in my inner world and knows what's going on and now they're going to help fix it. And initially that's what I thought too. I was like, oh, this is good. They'll give me medication. I'll be able to kind of move forward. Um, What I found is that the label and the diagnosis kind of acted more like um, almost like this invisible cage around me where it felt really safe at first because someone had kind of figured it out. Um, But at the same time, as I wanted to evolve and grow and challenge myself, it's like I would stretch my wings and I could only go so far before I would hit that cage and have to retreat. And it's interesting to look at where that may be at play for you, whether you've been labeled or diagnosed or not, where have you been wanting to kind of spread your wings, evolve and move forward and are letting something else limit you or stop you. And for me, that was a massive thing, like the diagnosis trap almost. Um, why does, you know, and through, why does it die? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's just, you know, through through the journey, and that's why I entitled the book The Other Side of Bipolar, is the other side for me is when I stop identifying with that label as myself and also being able to start actually utilizing the gifts that lie in it. You know, I was looked at as too sensitive, um, too creative, had too much energy. All this stuff was really kind of twisted against me. That's actually all of those beautiful qualities that I actually utilize now to create my business my relationships, my body, my life. Um, so it's really kind of finding the inner strength to pull yourself up like we talked about before and then discovering the strength in the label that without the definition or identification with the label could be utilized to move beyond it. Yeah. Well, I, this is yeah. what I was asking and you covered it slightly, mm-hmm. but I don't understand um, why a diagnosis of bipolar has to be so negative. Um, maybe you could explain that to me because um, probably five or six people who have this and they they make no bones about it. They're like, yeah, I've definitely got this. Um, I am bipolar. They're Mm -hmm. 
brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely brilliant. Probably people, yeah. you know, but, I, you know, they have to they have to say, look, I don't, to me, like, you know, because some, some of the people I do business with and stuff, and they'll say, I'm going down here. I don't feel good. You know, I'll get very good communication. And um, so there's, there's real dark points, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've had one person I worked with who literally went down from January to March with the winter yeah. kind of thing and didn't didn't work, had trouble getting out of bed, you know, those types of issues with, with it. Mm-hmm. But still brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think a Can lot you address of address that a little bit? To somebody who might yeah, feel like they're, they don't, you know, they don't fit in and they, they're no good or whatever, there's upsides. There's absolutely upsides, and it's funny if you actually start looking at our society, and this starts to me to really come into play kind of in preteen or teen years, where difference starts to equate wrongness in some way. So as we're young, we're exploratory, we're kind of unique, we're playing, we're very imaginative. When we start hitting that age group, there's almost, again, that need to fit in that we talked about before, but also where you're different or where you stand out or maybe have strengths and gifts that are so far beyond where other people function from. There's this difference that comes, and that difference for some reason means wrong. And for me, that's so much of what goes into this mental emotional thing. If you actually look at the people throughout history who've been diagnosed, not just with bipolar, but with other mental illness, the list is astounding. Writers, playwrights, uh, you know, leaders in the artistic fields, uh, like, you know, Alexander the Great, there are all these people who really utilize their difference, not as something that was wrong or made them stand out too much, but because they were able to see things differently, they were able to affect massive change. They were innovative. They were brilliant. And to me, like deeper than anything, yes, let's come out of the wrongness and come out of the stigma and just have ease with being in our lives, first and foremost. That's a lot of the work I do. The more advanced work I do with people is looking at, cool, you have these things that were labeled as wrong before or things that you've been judging. What if that was actually a gift that you can now utilize and for an example with myself, me being very empathetic and very sensitive, and during my teenage years, again, I was taking on a lot of stuff from other people. It made me stand out a little too much. I squashed that for a long time, thinking I wasn't strong enough to handle it because that's what the doctor said. Don't stress yourself out. Don't take it on for other people. Um, now with my work, my medical background is a, a medical speech language pathologist. I work with people at the end of their life and after traumatic injuries. So brain injuries, strokes, head and neck cancer, that sort of thing. And then also with my coaching business, really taking these deep dives into people's worlds, me actually utilizing those sensitivities and that empathy as a strength to be able to be intimate with someone during those bigger life challenges now with my own strength, not getting lost in it, but utilizing that gift to create more change. And this is the really cool thing. It's like when you can take what's wrong about you and turn it 180 and go, wait a second, if it wasn't wrong about me, but it was actually a strength that I had, how could I start to utilize that? Can you tell us a little bit more about your book? Um, it's called The Other Side of Bipolar, mm-hmm. and it's, it's on Amazon. It's wherever books are sold. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us what it's about? I mean, I, I, I gather it, but just give us your talk about the book so yeah. people will go buy it. 
Oh, yeah, and the book is just beautiful, beautiful. And it's um, it's written so uniquely and so differently, which just kind of, again, speaks to the difference. <laughs> um, but it's written via my own personal story. And it's very, very poetic. What I did is I took scenes from my life throughout even my early years, my teenage years, before I was even diagnosed, just exploring my own unique perception of the world, how I was picking stuff up from other people, social anxiety, things that were creeping up. You watch me through that. You watch me through the diagnosis, kind of going down the downward spiral, through the Western medical system, seeing the effects the drugs and the therapy had on me, Um, and then also throughout all of my adult years. And part two is really looking at that of like what I had just said about if something wasn't wrong but was actually a strength, you walk with me basically throughout that whole journey of exploring different tools, different techniques, and you watch me apply them to my life. And I wrote the book in a very raw, very, very vulnerable way because I wanted people to, again, like we said before, that shame factor where you don't want to admit that you have these dark thoughts or these weird things going through your head and your mind space. I wanted to open up and pull back the curtain so people know they're not alone. Oh, wait a second. She went through something very similar that I went through, or I was never diagnosed, but I totally have that thing in social circumstances, but she got over it. I can too. You walk with me throughout this kind of spellbinding story I've been told um, to really start picking up different tools and perspectives that you can start to employ real time. Uh, so it's a combination of a memoir slash self-help book because you'll gain tools and perspectives as you go. You just, you'll be different after you read it. But it's written in first person in a very intimate, vulnerable, engrossing way. Yeah. So yeah. I, I always have this dream with my own book where I, I wish, I, I, I want to do this one day. Like I approach a whole airplane full of people and hand out a copy of Percolate to each person on the airplane so that it just scatters to all the different yeah. places that it can scatter to. What's, that's, my, that's my thing I wish would happen. What do you hope happens <laughs> with yours? Oh, I would just love the conversation to be bigger. And it's such a different conversation, actually looking at, like, what's right and what's required to utilize what is in the diagnosis to your advantage so that you actually get to be satisfied with your life and give back to the world. And right now I think the bigger conversation that goes on in terms of mental-emotional wellness is one of – more management, you know, like how can we take and kind of manage you so that you can be somewhat, you know, functional in this world, which yes, is a good goal to have, but I would like the conversation to move well beyond that of like, what's really going on here. And if there were massive creators, innovators, healers that were missed or like diagnosed and kind of made wrong for that. How do we awaken them and unlock them from whatever they may be thinking is wrong with the diagnosis into something where they're empowered, inspired, and able to really get out in the world to create. Um, And this message speaks not only to people who've been diagnosed, but if you yourself have been living a lesser life or living smaller, then you actually desire, like, are you willing to start looking at how you can utilize whatever is different and unique about you and discover that to start to get a bigger, bigger reach into the world. Um, so my, my hope with this book is that it's just this international thing where everyone who requires the information gets the information and that there's a broader conversation about possibilities, not about limitations. 
Sounds like you need a plane flight, yeah. too. <laughs> I think that would here's, be fun, actually. <laughs> wouldn't it be fun to just go on board and go, here's a book? <laughs> that would be the coolest plane flight. I'd, I'd want to be on that plane flight, actually. I wish more authors would do that. Like, here are 300 copies of my book. Have a good time, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Because I think I think you're exactly right. I think it spreads the conversation of what you're trying to share. And I, I think somewhere, someone, it touches even, if it even just touches one life, you know, you've done a fabulous job. Um, with your book, and I, I think um, it's one of the reasons why people write books is just to touch, touch lives and, and hope they, they do that, don't you think? Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's the yeah. interesting thing, like the feedback I've been getting has just been from people who they weren't even ever diagnosed, but they said, I read your story, and I had a lot of the same stuff, but I just never opened my mouth about it. And I've been carrying it with me, not only in my mind, but in my body also. And I read it, and I just feel yeah. like I'm free of it from now on. And I'm like, that's so cool, just reading a story that you get that much change. And, um, you know, you want to touch lives and just be able to – you know, create ease in people's world for me is a huge thing. And for me, it's so important to look at that conversations actually create and what conversation you're engaging with either yourself or with society is creating your point of view and your current circumstance. So if you were willing to have these broader conversations that were more possibility, less judgment and less shame, where could all of us go? And for me, that's super, that's a super exciting possibility. Yeah. How long did this book take you to write? It was about a year in the writing process. And then um, it took about a year in terms of like getting together with my publisher and designing the book and looking at the marketing and all that kind of stuff. So it was a, in a, in a whole, it was a two year process for that. Yeah, 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 pretty similar. And um, mm-hmm. when you think about writing another book, do you cringe, or do you think, okay, this is? <laughs> I'm at that point where everybody's think... going, you know, you're gonna write another book, and I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Maybe you can write it for me, and I'll and I'll sit on a beach for three years, you know, and, and chill. It's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work, and it's a deep dive, and there's also this interesting thing when you've created something that has such a beautiful energy to it and you absolutely love to sit down and try to, like, reduplicate it, I think is just, like, a fail thing from the get-go. So for I'm me, having it's trouble. Like, I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's what I wanted to say. I'm good. <laughs> People are like, no, no, you got to write another one. I'm like, no, I, I don't. Well, and, for, and for me, I know I'm going to be writing more books, but it would also be a very different kind of book. Like this book is so unique because it really did cover my personal yeah. journey and really hit very specific things I was looking at changing in the world and in people's own inner world. Um, so the next book may be, may be a little bit more of a practical angle okay. to it. I mean, I um, – I think when we try to reduplicate something that we see as successful or enjoy, we can't, we, that's like, like a, you know, you kind of stop yourself before you get going. So I yeah. kind of keep yeah, we, question we about, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, I completely you're agree with you. Like, yeah, yeah, you're evolving. We, we grow. I know since my book came out, um, one of our sons is, um, is about to sign for college to play baseball. And mm. the like this past year, I really didn't even work. I I basically didn't do much with my website. I just brought it back up, got new people to write. You know, you're one of them. I love having you on there. I'm so excited. I'm about to post your, one of your videos today. Um, so thank you Yay. for that. Thank you for your for your support, your girl support. Thank you. But um, what I was going to say is, I I've grown to have this just complete 
I'm, I'm an ex-athlete, a gymnast, but um, mm-hmm. I, boys are different and they operate differently, and I've grown to have this yeah. just incredible respect for um, the baseball world, the baseball mm-hmm. family, the coaching, the recruiting process. The, it is so phenomenal. Um, it's just flat-out cool. And so um, I find myself thinking a lot, um, taking my old athlete and my work experience and everything and thinking about, like, mindset. And yeah. I'm like, mindset, 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 mindset. <laughs> What's it take to get up there and pitch a perfect game? Or you know, what, have you, what have you got to have going on in your background to do all these things and, and get up there and be a world-class athlete? You know, those types of things. So I don't know what I'll do, but, again, totally different than probably percolate to some extent. Do you do you have that well, going I, on where you've experienced some growth through this process? Oh, I've I've experienced massive growth and massive relief. I mean, and that was the thing. I was yeah. writing this book, and as I was writing, it was becoming more and more vulnerable and very very raw. And I'm like, I don't. This is really personal. I don't know if I'm ever going to release this. And I was just getting such relief from myself of going back through all of those things that I was still carrying in some way, either again in my body or it was a stressor that was still up. It was a way I was still pulling away from people or judging myself. Um, And it just was such a gift to go through and actually write the whole thing and release all of that. And then by the end of it, reading it, I was like, this is actually brilliant. And by the end of a creative process like that, the creations are a living, breathing entity onto themselves. The book was very adamant, no, I am getting released. I am getting into as many hands as possible. This conversation needs to occur. Um, So really respecting the creations, like whatever you're creating and allowing that to come through you without you stopping it. uh, That was something that I worked with a lot during this process of, um, cool, there's me, there's my story, which of course is in the book. But beyond that, this book is an entity that would love to get out there and actually assist people, create change and have that conversation changer in the long run. Um, I, I am not, I'm not willing to stop that, and I wouldn't want to put myself in the way of that. So it's, yeah. I have a very different mindset, like you said, about creation in general. And I think that's so huge what you said about mindset because our perspective, our point of view actually creates our reality. It's just the filters yeah. that we use, our mindset that actually creates what shows up in our lives and how we deal with it. Um, so when you're able to change your perspective, you actually change the situation, and that's a lot of what I work with is just one little flip of turning that wrongness into a rightness and you're like, oh, brand new world. Yeah. And and for me, I'm a person who's been, you know, deaf twice basically from food allergies. I'm I'm an wow. anaphylaxis. I'm your I'm your grown up peanut allergy person. <laughs> peanut and nut allergy. You know, all those kids that all the poor kids that have the food allergies and stuff. Well I'm the grown up with them. I've had them for twenty years. And so I have two really super near-death experiences with food allergies. And so my, my mindset is I wake up and I'm like, cool, I'm breathing. This is a good, <laughs> a good day. And so it's completely different than so yeah. many people who get up and gripe. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's another good day. I'm, you know, I am breathing and I'm not sick and I feel pretty good today and, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, it's, it's mindset and it's just completely different. And so um, it's, it's hard for me sometimes to understand sadness. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, you really have to be very empathetic, very sympathetic. And so far is when you hear the word bipolar because it's real. And, yeah. you know, I think some people think, you know, kind of like a gluten allergy, um, you know, goes bipolar where people don't think it's really actually real. You know, like people make yeah. up, people make up food sensitivities all the time. I don't think people make up bipolar. I think people genuinely don't feel good and need assistance. So I think this is such a, a brilliant, beautiful topic, and I think you're so on to something with talking about it because it takes a bravery that you must have. To go from what you went through to now, you must be one brave woman. Thank you. you know what? It's so funny. My mom always says that about me. Even my grandmother was saying that when I was writing the book before she passed. I was like, oh, Lauren's just so brave. And I never really got that. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You know what I mean? But it was this kind of thing of like, if you're able and you're willing to put a voice to something that other people either can't voice or desire to voice but haven't yet, there is actually this massive gift that you can be. And that's, that to me is such a huge contribution that I can be to the world. And if I was in judgment of myself and what I've been through, I couldn't actually do that. I mean, I spent a lot of work. And if you read the book, you'll actually see all of these different ways that I was really taking my own mindset and changing the perspective about myself and my gifts uh, to be able to come out of that judgment. And that more than anything is what allowed me not only to write the book, but to create a business, to be able to be more vulnerable with people, to have more honest relationships, to not put the diagnosis as this like filter between me and the world, but to actually be me. And um, that is a very brave and, again, very bold, very bold choice. But it's also something that's really accessible. And you don't have to put your story out there like I am. I mean, I'm kind of an extreme example of that. But if you were able to change the judgment factor for yourself, what would that change in your relationships, your own creation, and just your satisfaction of life? Um, I think that's so huge. There's so many people who are riddled with self-judgment. And that's not a bipolar thing. That's just a human thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you're, if, I, I do. If you're I'm alive. Thinking, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm old. I mean, we're girls. I mean, everybody is. They look in the mirror and go, oh, I'm old and fat. And we go, there's a laundry list of stuff we down ourselves with. And yeah. it's, it's frightening. So to not do that, um, you know, I, I do that sometimes. I'm like, okay, reminder, I've had four children. Mm-hmm. I'm almost 50. You know, I'm a pretty okay person and nice you know i i have a different tape that plays um but sometimes i have to um access it when i find myself you know going yuck you and what i would say and what i would say with with that is what we had what we had kind of talked about at the beginning of the show is that tool of who does it belong to like when that negative loop starts to play is that actually yours or are you picking up on everyone else's judgments and that's the fascinating thing to start looking at is like, of course, you know, you go into like a parenting group and kind of start talking about your kiddos and everyone's talking about how hard it is to be a parent and oh my goodness, they're not sleeping at night and this thing over here and this behavioral issue. And yet if you have a lot of ease being a parent, do you find yourself actually complaining or having those thoughts just because of the social circumstance that you're in? You know, they're so, we're so, again, aware and perceptible of what's going on around us that we pick up on the information and a lot of those negative mindsets or loops that start to play, that's just our awareness of the environment. Again, like what's actually truer for you? You know, if you're one that functions more from happiness and ease, when you start going down that negative loophole, actually ask that question, who does this belong to? Oh, I'm just picking up from the environment. I don't have to do that. 
um, yeah. that might change so no matter what we're time, fun. you know. <laughs> exactly. We're oh my sponges God. We're no matter sponges. our age. Is that what you're saying? We're, we're, we're complete sponges. But I, what I love to work yeah. with people on is like going from a psychic sponge where you pick up on everything, you hold it like holding water so, so much so that you get sopping wet, heavy and dense and yucky. Yeah. Instead being that psychic Bring radar that's just picking up on information and it just goes through. You don't have to actually hold it in your body or your mind. It can actually just move through, and that's when more ease starts to get created. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a question for you here, and this might be a little bit mm-hmm. off topic and may even relate a little bit more to my dad's story, but what's a, a, a ASHA certified, I think I said mm-hmm. that right, ASHA or ASHA, mm-hmm. certified medical ASHA. speech language pathologist? So a speech-language pathologist, that's my degrees, and that is um, kind of fancy speak for speech therapist. So I work with a variety of people. We are trained for kiddos and adults. I've always worked in the adult arena, though. Um, We work on speech, language retraining, voice disorders. I work a lot with swallowing disorders, so food or liquid um, after a stroke or brain injury or a head and neck cancer will actually go into the airway, and people will get pneumonia, respiratory failure, and maybe die from that. So that's my job is to like assess if it's happening and then actually work like a physical therapist and rehabilitate the muscles of the mouth, the tongue, and the throat. So swallow, speech, and then the cognitive things of being able to like find the words that you want and um, make fluid sentences, that sort of thing. Uh, So it's a very broad, broad field. Yeah. Um, So I know this is your show and about you, but can I, because it lends itself, can I just share a story with you, or do you want me to share it with of you course. offline? I got a story course, that goes no, with my ahead. dad, but I but I love sharing stories on the radio because people hear it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, as you say that, um, my dad's a stroke survivor, and mm-hmm. um, and I think it's important to tell you this. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. But um, so in 2004, he had a stroke and then had hemorrhages at the stroke site. And so, long story short, after ICUs and all that stuff, we finally got to the point where we were in a rehab center called Sister Kenny in uh, the Minneapolis area. And um, they were getting ready to take him down to a speech pathologist, such as yourself, Mm -hmm. and assess his speaking capability at that point after everything that had happened to him. And it took him forever to get him out of bed. They rolled him down there in his wheelchair and he was so weak and feeble and not didn't even appear to be awake and my mom and I were with him and the nurse warned us. She said, you know, at this point, people don't really respond to this. We're going to try it anyway, mm-hmm. but don't expect too much kind of thing. And we are like, oh, this is yeah. depressing. And anyway, so they played this alphabet game with my dad. Have you ever heard of this? Like after a stroke, mm-hmm. they kind of go through the alphabet and they say like, what's the word that comes to mind when I say like A, uh, yeah. B, C, you know, that kind of thing. Do, have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So she she said, so she warned us again. She said, so when I say A, most people say ah eh, uh, or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so my dad rattled off the word aardvark. And we, <laughs> my mom and I were looking at each other like, seriously, he's totally lost it. You know, aardvark, where did that come from? And then he went, the next one was benevolence, courage, determination, mm-hmm. excellence. F was a choice swear word. Um, happiness, (laughs) you know, all these inspirational words to like live through this. And, you know, he, that was like a moment where I think he decided that he wasn't going to give up. I think he decided maybe a little bit before that, but that was the moment where it was like, you know, I'm, I'm functioning again. And it was so cool. So when I saw that in your bio, I just wanted to share that story with you because it's also the moment where 
I stopped feeling sorry for myself with all the food uh, anaphylaxis stuff I had had. So um, cool, cool that you do that. Oh, thank you. And it's so funny because it's just these motivation and like looking at someone's quality of life, like, yes, they survive a stroke or a brain injury or a mental illness or food allergies. We all have our different stuff that we go through. So like, no matter what, you're not alone. Everyone's going through stuff, but like being able to seek out whatever assistance is required so that you are inspired and your quality of life starts to come back. To me, that's as a rehabilitation therapist, speech pathologist, that's always been my background but even in the coaching business it's like what quality of life like how would you like to be spending your time on earth you know if you weren't going through rote patterns but you were actually like oh wow not only am I functioning but I'm able to communicate again I can like connect to people or I can build a business that actually changes people's lives like these beautiful things that actually give a quality of life and a satisfaction, I mean, you can't put a price on that. And, like, I love that story because it just speaks to it again. It's that thing of, like, oh, I can actually do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. and he did. And he's mm-hmm. uh, very well to this day. So it's, it's oh, fascinating. That's wonderful. If you yeah. saw what he went through, it's terrifying. Um, so the other thing I want to mention about that, when you when you go through health issues, sometimes depression follows. So I think that's an, mm-hmm. also a really important point you could touch on during this show if you want to, um, yeah. and the caregivers as well, you know, the people that uh. are, are trying to keep the person alive. It's absolutely huge on both ends. I mean, people who like are, you know, they're kind of feeling like their body's failing them. Mortality stuff starts to come into play. Maybe they've lost some function because of the health issue. And again, that quality of life changes. So for me, working with people during this really tender time, it's like looking, you know, being empathetic. Like if you're working with someone or you know someone is going through it, being open and letting them vent, I think is huge without trying to fix things. There's a mourning thing that has to go on, not just from the patient's perspective, but also the family and the caregiver of like, wow, life is different now. Like being able to actually mourn the life that was. And then from there, once that process is done, now we get to work. Like, what can you actually regain? And if you can do things a little bit differently, and that's the thing is like, we don't have to go back to the way things were. Can you compensate differently? Is there different activities or different way of expressing yourself? And I think that's huge. People go through a life change and either they don't mourn what was, they don't take that beat to just go, wow, this really sucks. (laughs) And have that moment of honesty. You know what I mean? Um, So you suppress that. And again, you carry it in your mind and your body and it follows you or you try to like regain what was, it's just different now. And again, difference doesn't mean wrong, but how can you actually go about regaining the quality of life? And sometimes you got to get a little creative and wily with it. You know what I mean? Can you change the environment so that you actually just set yourself up for success? Um, And then I would say for the caregivers, especially like having that mourning period and allowing yourself to go through that, is huge and take care of yourself during this entire process. So often, especially with the dementia patients I work with, the caregivers are so involved in taking care of that one person that they lose themselves. They're not doing activities that feed their body. They're not doing activities that like keep 
their own self-evolvement going so much so that the only role that they have is the caregiver that's exhausting and then um, you know unfortunately when end of life comes around and they lose that person they don't have a sense of themselves anymore because they've given it all up Um, being able to still spend time for you and get the support that's required for that makes all the difference in the world Yeah. For anybody listening live, so we don't rush the end of the show, we're going to cut off in about 30 seconds, but we're going to wind down here. Um, You might have to to listen to the end of the show on replay um, because we'll go a few more (laughs) minutes here if you don't mind. But um, can I keep you for just a few more minutes because I have a question about perspective. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think remind me of these two questions. So I have one about perspective and I have another one about um, can you – can you heal through comparison? And I think that might mm. tie into perspective. I don't know. My thought isn't totally clear yet. But when I think about being depressed or bipolar, um, what I think about is a person who doesn't sometimes know how great they have it and maybe yeah. has lost their sense of gratitude and perspective. Is mm-hmm. that accurate or not accurate? And is it a way to help people heal? I would say it depends on the person, you know, and that it, it, this is the tricky thing about having these conversations with people who are in the muck of it, right? Like they can't get out of bed in the morning. So coming at it from a perspective of like, do you know how great your life is compared to everyone else? Sometimes that falls on deaf ears. What I find right. is being able to like acknowledge where they are in the moment and letting them actually like, I, you don't have to fix or change it right now, but like just become aware. Yes, right now, this is a big downside for you. This is not fun. Again, it sucks. Have that moment. And then now, are you able to start shifting your perspectives, even if it's just a hair different that may start to create change? What I find with the perspective shifts is people want to go from one extreme to the other of like, I am completely, utterly depressed and anxious. I can't see anything good about myself. And people either try to fix it for themselves or for others by going to the extreme of like, no, actually, you're fantastic. You have all these wonderful qualities. Your life isn't as bad as all these other people. The extreme jump kind of causes more of a risk. It's more bringing that person into acknowledgement of where they are and then starting to edge them to the way of the middle ground. So Mm -hmm. you're not trying to fix depression by overly happiness and kind of getting lost in that huge shift or that bigger ask, but allowing the person to just start shifting their perspectives. You know what? You got to sleep last night. You've been having insomnia for four months. That's something. Acknowledge it. You know, you were in a trauma loop really revisiting a lot of the stuff that you've been through. You haven't done that in a day. Acknowledge that. And that moment of like, not, oh, wow, I'm perfect, but like, oh, wait a second, that one thing that I was really stuck on, that's not there anymore. If you step into the acknowledgement, and I actually wrote an article on your blog about this, the acknowledgement Mm -hmm. of it, and, you know, and actually being grateful for that and receiving that fully, that actually allows you to start making more changes in that direction. And I think right. a lot of times if you're trying to get them to acknowledge the extreme, that's too much of an ask. But acknowledging that little bit, those little bits can start to really change the course of where you're going. What about um, a, an acknowledgement of things that we might be taking for granted, such as, you know, mm. contact lenses or glasses or clean water or, you know, basic <laughs> things? Um, that um, do you find success starting there with people? Yeah, sometimes, you know, and again, it 
depends on the person. And to me, those things are more of a body stuff. So like acknowledging, like, you know, you say like with you, you get up in the morning and you're alive. Yay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just starting with that. (laughs) And that seems like, you know, kind of an obvious, but actually it's not for someone who's been through a lot of stuff. You know, for me, it's like, oh, I actually didn't commit suicide. Beyond that, I went through the entire thing so much so that I'm leading other people through it now. That's huge. But had you told me at 14, that, wow, you actually have massive capacity. Some days you'll be on the radio, you'll be writing a book that's a national bestseller doing this. No, no way. I really required those beautiful, yes, you're here. I see that. Acknowledge it. Mourn if you need to. And now we're going to move forward. You're not going to sit in that muck. But whatever little change you can make and the acknowledgement and the gratitude with that, will start to catapult you forward. I think so many people yeah, I, stop themselves from healing, you know, because they want to do that big shift. Sometimes that occurs, and other times it's these little tiny ones that make the most change. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I created Best Ever You is because, you mm-hmm. know, I've been through a lot of crap. And what I hoped Best Ever You would be would be a, a spot, just like your website, where people can go mm-hmm. and find something just one tiny thing even that puts a smile on their face or gives them some inspiration or just any hope or faith or whatever it is. And I think that's why there's so much stuff on the website too. (laughs) Because my mom goes, you know, you just need a kitchen sink on that thing and it'll be perfect. (laughs) Because there's so much stuff on it. And, um, And that's the old website too. This is the new one where I just sort of, you know, started over a little bit and have been bringing content over. But do you, do you know what I mean where you just are like, you know, I just want to have so much stuff on here so that it helps people in all these different ways. And I think yeah. you're sort of the same way. You know, it's like where where can I reach to help you and what will help you? And I love the fact that you narrowed it down also to the book, the website, and the cutting-edge classes and the one-on-one coaching. But it's still you draw from such a, you know, so many amazing experiences and degrees and all these things about you that you can really help people in a broader sense. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Thank you. And like, you know, and the, the, and the beautiful thing is like not everything works for everybody. Like we are, we're all right. kind of looking for the magic formula, not only to heal, but to just be a happy, satisfied person. And there is no such thing. So what works for you isn't going to work for someone else. And what works for you in one moment may not work in the other. I work more holistically yeah. of like how many tools can I gift you and how many different perspectives and having that in your kind of like toolkit to carry around that actually will free you more because regardless of where you are you'll be able to have something to inspire empower and really gain the information that's required to move on different well i don't want to keep you anymore but i have so thoroughly enjoyed having you on the radio show i hope you've enjoyed being here as well Um, it's wonderful yeah it's so much fun i'm so thankful and grateful to come across you in my world and have you as part of my website. Thank you so much for your time and energy um, in preparing the information for the audience. and ever, It's just awesome. So thank you for that. And um, if I could, I just want to go through where people can find you one more time, or would you like to do it? Um, you want to just oh. go through all your websites yeah. and everything? or Go, go you can for fi- it. You can find my, my website at laurenpolly.com. I'll spell that for you. It's L-A-U-R-E-N-P, as in Peter, O-L-L-Y.com. And everything pretty much is up there, but you can find me on Twitter at L 
Polly Life Coach. And then my Facebook page is Lauren Polly Coaching. Uh, so you can mm-hmm. follow me that way. I put all of my classes. I have an international clientele, so a lot of the work that I do is via online avenues. So regardless of where you are in the world, I have people from India joining my classes. I've got private people in Scandinavia. You know, this isn't a topic that's only U.S.-based. It's international. And being able to really work with all of you with ease on the Internet creates more for everybody. Um, So regardless of where you are, there's always an opportunity to connect. And I have different freebies on my website, newsletters that go out with different tools, and then a lot of really cool deep dive with coaching and also small group formats that I run that really kind of speak to just creating more ease in your world. So proud of you. Yep, Ellie. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah no, you. it's really awesome that you're here and you are one brave woman. <laughs> that's weird that I said that and you and that's something that gets said to you. <laughs> you must, it gets said quite a lot, and that's something <laughs> it's supposed to be. That's pretty fun. So anyway, all right. Lots yeah. of love. Thank you very much for being here, Lauren. And um thank you all so much for listening. We hope you'll uh, join us again. I think we're gonna do I think I'm gonna take a break actually and come back in December with more shows. Um although I Actually, you know what? I'm looking at my calendar. I actually have Fiona McCullen on November 15th, and I forgot about that. Yes, yeah, so we've got actually a show on November 15th, right before Thanksgiving, um, talking about um, polycystic ovarian syndrome and the eight oh. steps to reverse your PCOS, which, Lauren, that sometimes that goes hand in hand with depression and all these things too. Doesn't it? Absolutely. Actually, that we're talking yeah. about that. So, anyway, all right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. That was Lauren Polly. Her book, again, is called The Other Side of Bipolar Revealing Your Strengths to Move Beyond the Diagnosis. And again, you can reach her on Twitter at L. Polly Life Coach and on Facebook. Her website is laurenpolly.com. Really cool person, wealth of information, and I love people who walk their talk. They've been through it. They know what you might be going through. Just a cool person. So lots of love, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today and Lauren, and um, have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll see you on November 15th. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Network. For more information, just visit us at besteveryou.com.